Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're in a new series that we're launching today called Wise Up. If you think about the word wise up, it basically means to become aware of something, right? Like there's been times in my life where somebody's come up to me and said, dude, you need to wise up. And I'd be like, I don't know what that means. And so being the amazing person that I am, I go Google it. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, to become acknowledged or, or to understand or to gain an understanding, to, to see something and, and change. And I think right now in our culture, there's not a better way. And I think it's time for us as a church to wise up. Now listen to me. This is not going to be this cultural hot button. This ain't going to be some pastor standing up talking about all these conspiracy theories. What we're going to do is we're going to get into Proverbs. And we're going to listen to what King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, and we're going to do a study for the next several weeks about certain little things that he put in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, and say, how does God's word and the wisest man that ever lived, how does that apply to me and hopefully helps me to wise up to the way I should be living my life and what I should be doing going next? Does that make sense? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in an amazing, amazing chapter, Proverbs chapter 16. I did this intentionally because this is where I came across the verse that I claim as my life verse. I don't even know really what that means. I just know that once I found this piece of wisdom and applied it to my life, everything started making sense. And it's a very familiar verse because you've heard me speak it before, but I've never preached on it. But I want you to understand where we're going. So the theme of this whole series is Proverbs 16, 16. If you will, let me read that just for a minute. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And if you have a paper Bible, you'll notice that there's an exclamation point. It should be in all your tablets and phone as well. But this is something that he's emphasizing. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Well, we're going to have a great time. I want you to simply think about this one aspect in Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to be in the first three verses. And I want you to think about, for most of us, where wisdom is going to start is for us to understand some of the knowledge that we have that's not correct. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but the difference between knowledge and wisdom, knowledge is knowing something, wisdom is applying something. So knowledge is knowing something, wisdom is actually applying it to your life. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because I think most of us, especially if you've been in church any amount of time, you're probably starting at the wrong concept of knowledge. There's been a time in your life where somebody asked you to make this aspect of committing your life to Christ and to give God all of your plans, give God all your life. What if that's not what he wants? What if that's not what that's really about? And right now, a lot of you are going, oh, man, I got a tweet about this. Pastor is blaspheming on stage. Hang with me till the end. But maybe we're starting at the wrong knowledge point, and today I want to show us that. So Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, join me. The place, or I'm sorry, the plans of the heart belong to man. If you have a paper Bible, I'm all about highlighting and writing so that when you go back, you can remember stuff. Underline plans and underline belongs to man. Wisdom, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, the man that 
that back in 1 Kings, back in 1 Chronicles, when he was asked to, hey, I'll give you anything by God, and he prayed for wisdom, and God said, man, I'm glad you prayed for this. I'm going to give you this. The wisest man that has ever lived, the first thing he acknowledges is that plans, those come from man. But it's amazing how quickly we all want to immediately put plans in God's lap, don't we? Yeah, we'll, we'll use a scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is God's side of the timeline with him understanding how much he has for you. But that doesn't mean that you as a person don't have things in your life that you are planning and wanting. And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with that. God's not telling you today to, hey, lay down all your plans. If you love me, lay down all your plans, go get an airplane ticket, sell everything, we're going to Ethiopia. That literally, growing up in a Baptist church in the 80s, is what kept me from knowing Jesus for many years. Because I knew, if I accept Christ, they're going to send me to Africa. And I'm not interested in going to Africa. And you're saying, well, that is just stupid. Why would you think that? But if you was at the place I was at, you would have thought the same thing. I mean, it's one of those things that every month somebody was coming in, they were giving up the pulpit, so having missionaries, I'm all for missionaries, I love them, I think that's great, I just knew that wasn't what God called me to. And it made me struggle because I had this understanding that when I would accept Christ at that moment, that I no longer had any plans. Let me read this verse again. The plans of the heart belong to man. But now listen to this next part. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. See, there's a plan that you have, but there's an answer you're seeking, right? And I want you to see the terminology that was put at the end of that verse. This wasn't them referring to God, Yahweh. This wasn't God's Savior. This wasn't God's Spirit. He says, the answer belongs to the Lord. The aspect of lordship is an aspect of hierarchy. It's an aspect of a role. It's an aspect of understanding where you fit in this thing called life. I know a lot of people that have made a commitment, and they are so great because Jesus is their Savior, and they love the fact that they're not going to go to hell. The problem is, is their life is totally jacked up. Why? Because they're still trying to do everything their way. They have Jesus as Savior, but they're still the Lord of their life. They don't submit to anything. They don't, they don't have a hierarchy. Like, we don't like to talk about hierarchy, especially in America. We're like, no, democracy, power of the people, no way. Everybody has equal opportunity. Okay, take a deep breath. I'm with you. But you need to know there's a hierarchy in this universe. It started from the very beginning in creation. He set things up. Even when he created all the creatures, he, then he made man in his image. And he put them over those things and to have dominion over those things. But even in man's life, there was a hierarchy called God who would come to the garden in the heat of the day and dwell with him. It said, don't do these things. See, we've always had somebody or someone that is over us, whether we want to admit it or not. I have the privilege of, for the first time in my life, having a 19-year-old boy who's fixing to be 20. 
And what I've realized is that that is the stage that whether you want to or not, you got to let them go. Why? Because I'm no longer dad. Now, don't mishear me. I'll always be dad. But the reality is, is he's a grown man. And now some of you are going, oh, no, no. At 19 or 20, you're not really a grown man. Think back when you was 19 or 20. Don't mishear me. Very capable, very amazing, nothing negative to say. But my style of leadership in my family, in my way of having a relationship with now my oldest, fixing to be my second oldest as well, who's 18, it has to change, right? If I keep parenting all of my children in their adult life the same way I did when they were toddlers, you would look at me as if I was just like an idiot, Because at some point, what has to happen? I have to relinquish control so that they can go receive everything God has for them. But I think like a parent, I think a lot of times we struggle with that in our life, right? We think that there's some point in our spiritual life that God should relinquish his control and we can go do what we need to do. Listen, that works great in parenting. It's terrible in your spiritual life. There is never a time that you don't need God to be the Lord of your life. In fact, try it. Try to do it yourself. You know why, you younger ones that are here, that are here with a parent, you know why your parents want you to be in church? Because they've tried it. And they said, oh, that, you need to be in church with me. Trust me, this doesn't work out real well. But it's amazing. We, we take our earthly knowledge, like someday I'm going to be big enough that I don't need you. And we try to apply that to biblical principles, and it's not true. There's never going to be a time in your life that God's going to say, man, let me tell you something. You are really good at this. You be Lord. But that's what we act like, isn't it? Like we've arrived and then all of a sudden we struggle with, with what it is. What is it that God wants me to do? What, what is it God's telling me to do? I, I have these plans, but I don't know if they're the right plans. Is it me speaking or is it God speaking? I mean, I feel like it's God speaking, but I kind of feel like it's me. And I, I'm like, stop! And answer one question. Who's Lord? In order to understand wisdom... It starts with defining your role in life and who's the provider of all wisdom. Not who knows it all, but who's the wisest. With that being said, jump into verse 2. Not only to talk about these plans being of, the, of man, listen to verse 2. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. Give you a little piece of wisdom. All your ways are pure in your own eyes. Have you ever met somebody that was in the middle of something that was like, man, this is really bad? Like you can see somebody, I, I've joked around this before, it's, it's one of my things, and to be honest with you, I'd do it tomorrow if somebody said, hey, come here, I know one, let's go jump. I love jumping off cliffs in the water. You say, why? I have no earthly idea. I'm not saying it's smart, I'm not saying it's wise, talking about wise up. I, there's something about it. I'm like, let's go. Let's jump off of this. Let's go do it. I've realized at an older age, my issue is not jumping off the cliff. My issue is climbing back up it. 
So I've learned to have somebody like, if you can, if you can have a boat to take me to the boat ramp, we'll jump off this cliff because I can't get my big butt back up this cliff anymore. But it's one of those things that as you're going through, that there's certain things that you experience, right? There's certain things that you look at doing. And in your own mind, the ways in the which you do things, in your own mind, you're like, hey, man, this is good. Like, I am doing things the right way. There's another scripture in Proverbs. This won't be on the screen, but I want to read it to you. It's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Can I help you understand, not only are your plans your plans, and that's okay, but you need to know that your ways in your own eyes, you are biased to yourself. You think everything's pure. You think everything's right. You want me to prove it to you? Tell me the one person that's been a part of every one of your bad decisions. I know some of you are thinking, man, I tell you, Billy, I, I knew I shouldn't have hung around him. I'm not talking about you were there. You are the common denominator to every one of your poor decisions. And most of the time, in the middle of that decision, you thought, this is the greatest. I am the smartest man. Nobody will ever th this is great. Because your ways in your own eyes, you can blind yourself and you'll think things are good. But listen to what Scripture says. The end of verse 2. But the Lord weighs the Spirit. Can I put another way of putting that? The Lord weighs your heart. The Lord weighs your motive. The Lord weighs what's it about. Why are you doing this? I know a lot of people in life that are going in a certain direction. The problem is, is it's not that it's a bad thing that they're doing. The motive behind what they're doing is going to lead them to destruction. Because where they're going is not going to be fulfilling because of what they're being motivated by. So now that you have a little bit of an understanding of, of what I'm trying to balance here. Using the wisest man that's ever lived in God's word, telling you some stuff. I want you to know that having plans is okay with the understanding that you're going to be a little bit blinded to yourself. You're going to think things are good when they're really not good. You're going to think things are okay when they're really not okay. You're going to look at some stuff and go, well, is it really that big? of It is a big deal. My wife showed me a, a shirt the other day that I thought was pretty cool. And it said, do what makes you happy. And it crossed out happy and wrote holy. I thought, that's pretty good. Because there's a lot of things that we're going to do that we're like, is it, that really? it is that big of a deal. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about living perfectly. I'm not talking about pharisaical type faith. But I'm talking about us understanding that as we pursue this thing called life, in order for us to wise up, we have to understand we are our own greatest salesman. We will rearrange our budget and be in debt, but explain to ourselves why we need that brand new car. We will rearrange all of our debt and rearrange, well, we're going to pay off this bill and pay off this bill and pay off this bill, and this is a really good idea because I'm going to pay off all these bills, and that's why we're going to sell the house and go buy a bigger house that absorbs all those payments as well. Now, don't mishear me. I'm, if you've done that, you're probably smarter than me. Again, I, I know my limitations. And there's a way that you can leverage it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying we will sell ourselves on situations in a heartbeat, won't we? But listen to what God says. Here's this life verse. 
Here is the verse that I literally govern everything in my life around. Because I realized long ago, I don't have abilities like I wish I do. I'm blinded to that. I prove that every week in softball. I hit it to the fence to get a single. And it's one of those things that you, you go through these different things. I, I pitch. Why? Because there's a net. I toss the ball and hide behind the net. Like, oh, don't hit it here. And you're like, how do you feel about that? It's embarrassing to admit it, me and T. But I actually like that. If they didn't have a net, I wouldn't be playing. I'd be scared to death. But in my eyes, I'm still 19 years old, 125 pounds, run like lightning, like let's go play. Reality is I'm 47 years old, 225 pounds, and if I hit it to right field, he may throw me out at first. But here's what I've realized. Listen, huge verse. Highlight it, underline it, highlight it on your phone, on your tablet. If you want to have one verse in your life, please claim this verse in this truth. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your works, notice the end there, to the Lord. And then what does it say? And your plans will be established. You say, well, Mickey, wait a minute. I'm supposed to give up my plans. No, I've already talked about that, remember? I said, man, plans come from their heart. God, that's okay. God's not after your plans. What he's after is you. And there's actually a lot of things that you have planned and you want for yourself that God wants for you as well. So God's not asking you to give everything. He's not saying, come to me so I can send you to Africa, like I thought as a young boy. What he's saying is, come to me because I will establish your plans. And wherever that is, you'll go. But it starts with committing your works to the Lord. Now, to understand the word works, a lot of people think, oh, okay, so like my job or like this effort. If you were to study a little bit of King Solomon and some of his writings in the biblical times and in God's word, that was inspired by God, you would see that whenever he talks about works, there's really three things he's talking about. The best way this shows up is in 1 Kings chapter 10, one of my favorite stories. It's when Queen Sheba comes to meet with King Solomon. I'm not going to go there today. We're not going to preach that today. You can write that down and go read it. But whenever he's talking about work, he's usually talking about three things in your life. When he's talking about commit your works to the Lord, there are three things that he's really referring to. They're easy to remember. They're three T's. He's talking about your time. He's talking about your talent. He's talking about your treasure. If you were to go read 1 Kings chapter 10, the first few verses in this encounter with Queen Sheba, you would see this jump off the page. Also throughout Proverbs and even in the Song of Solomon, you would see how he's constantly referring back, even in Ecclesiastes, where he's talking about there's a time for everything. King Solomon was constantly in his wisdom talking about your works consist of these three things. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Can I say something that I don't normally say on a regular basis? Two of three may not be bad in athletics or at your job. But two or three in the spiritual world is short of what God wants. You say, oh, I'll give God my time and I'll give him my treasures, but my, I'm going to go do what I want to do. Can't do that. 
Well, I'll give him my talent, and I'll give him my treasure. But, you know, time is fleeting. I'm going to seize the moment. I'm going to do, like, this is, you can't do that. Or where most people fail. God, I'll give you my time. I'll give you my talent. But, man, my treasure, whoo, that one's tough. Listen to me. If you want God to establish the plans that are in your heart, you have to understand that it starts with committing your works to the Lord. Now, again, I want you to know that ends with the Lord, doesn't it? He doesn't say commit it to your Savior. He doesn't say commit it to the Creator. There's a hierarchy there. I'm going to talk about that again in just a moment, okay? But let's listen to what he says. If you will do that, here's wisdom. If you will commit your works to the Lord, your plans will be established. I'd say it's focus less on where you're trying to go and more on who you're trying to be. Don't worry about the plans. Worry about the work. Pastor Sam and I had a conversation the other day, and I made this comment, and him and I spent a lot of time speaking on it at lunch. I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to look at what we're reaping, and we don't like what we're reaping, we're trying to figure out. And the reality is we need to quit worrying about what we're reaping and start focusing on what we're sowing. Because the law of the harvest, the God of the harvest, if you will, if you will plant the things that are of worth, I promise they will show up in your life. And God says he is the God of the harvest. So quit being consumed with what you're reaping and get more consumed with what you're planting in your life. That's what he's talking about. Wise up. Be able to commit your works to the Lord. And I want you to just listen to what I wrote down. Most people, most people look at God as creator. And because God is creator, they know that God's able. And that's where we live, right? Oh, my God, he's creator. He created everything. He said everything. He took chaos and and created order. And because of that, I know God's able. Some people look at God, and they look at God as Yahweh, this proper name in the Old Testament that doesn't even really have any vowels or syllables to it. This Yahweh that, that in Jewish life, For a period of time, it was not even allowed to be pronounced through your lips because it was considered to be a sin. And because we look at God as Yahweh, we know that we should fear the Lord. Some people look at him as creator, and we know that he he can do things. He's able. We look at him as Yahweh, and we know that we can fear him. We look at him as Jesus Christ. And we know that he's Savior. We look at him as the Holy Spirit. And we know that he's our helper. But can I tell you today what you need to look at him? First, Lord. Because when we look at God as Lord, it establishes his role in our life. And it puts us in our place of who he is. The way I wrote it in my notes, very simply, God is Lord. We know his place, and we know our role. 
as we launch into this aspect of wise up, and we launch into these different concepts that's going on in our life, as we look forward to celebrating mothers and Mother's Day, and we look forward to graduates, we're looking forward to the community classic and loving on our community and playing golf and loving on the students. And they look there, here's what I know. Like I know some people, they've asked me, they've stopped asking me this here recently, but I, it still shows up every once in a while. You know, the question that I get on a regular basis is this Hey, I've heard everything's going great at Crossroads. When y'all gonna build? Hey, I heard everything, da, 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 when you gonna get land? Or they try to say it in kind of the nonchalant, like, hey, that's great. Where are y'all meeting? And I'm like, you know where we're meeting. It's like we meet at Bradley at the Fine Arts Center. Oh, you guys are, well, when are you going to build? Can I give you a, a real good biblical answer? I have no idea. To be honest with you, it's not my decision. It's our decision. And I'm thinking wisdom-wise, how about we, we have plans, right? I pray that one day that we're in two services here. And then we're really close. I'll show you some of my heart. We're really close to being able to financially do something to have a permanent place that would be debt-free. Now, some of you are like, Mickey, that's not even possible. Well, you don't know the story around here. There's a lot of things that we didn't think were possible. I can start bringing people up here on stage. People that, that had hepatitis that no longer have hepatitis. People that had cancer that no longer have cancer. People that had fallen off chairs and were deaf and now here. People that had some turmoil going in their finances. And, like there's a lot of things. But you know where it all starts? Let's have a plan but let's focus on giving him our works. Because Scripture is very clear, and, and Solomon showed us this in wisdom. If you will focus on giving your time and giving your talent and giving your treasure, you know what I'm positive of? I'm positive that the plans of Crossroads will be established. We're going to share a little bit more about this next week at 9 o'clock at the breakfast. But you know I'm terrible at keeping secrets. Can I share with you something that just happened just this week just to reiterate what I'm talking about? It's fixing to be summertime. And for those that don't know, from the very beginning, my house has also been the church office. You say, how does that work? Great. You know how much it costs the church? nothing it works out wonderful it's no big deal we have a ball we sit around amy lou sits there and does different things and just joins right in but when summer hits kids are out of school now i love my kids i have wonderful kids that that know but it gets a little tough right well in our elders meeting the other day we've been praying and thinking through some stuff and there's a house right behind the house that I'm renting that's going to be coming available here soon. And we thought, what would it look like if we rented that house? What if we took a step of faith and we started having a church office? In the beginning, I was a little bit, mm, I don't know about this. Amy had this amazing idea. She real quick got Haley and Sam on board, so I was outnumbered. 
Next thing you know, they're, they're grabbing Naomi and Jennifer, and I'm like, okay, I don't have a chance. But in the elders' meeting, I sit there, and I, I kind of was telling, I couldn't even get finished with everything we were talking about. And your elders, who are amazing, they immediately like, that makes perfect sense. Let's go. And so being the amazing person of faith that I am, I entered that week going, Lord, I, I, need, I need a little bit more. I, like, I want to know that we're doing the right thing. This was Monday night. Made a couple of calls just to two people that may know some place because I thought not just renting a place, but you know, now you're going to have to furnish this place. You've got desks. You've got chairs. You've got, like, that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And like for us, we want funds to go back into our community. We don't want to be so self-consumed, right? From Monday to Thursday, we went from trying to come up with a plan to going and visiting a local business that's going to be shutting down, walking around their facility, looking at more desks and chairs and paper products and office supplies than we would ever need, to that person talking to their family and them giving me a call through our person that's going to be leading the charge, and you'll find out all the details next breakfast, next Sunday. And you know what she said? The lady that owns this, you know what she said? If Crossroads wants that for their church office, because they're willing to help us a little bit, you can just have it all. And I'm like, what's all mean? Like, there's like six desks and some tables and eight executive chairs. There's, I mean, there's calculators and staplers and scissors and, and hanging files and, and pamphlet files. I mean, there, there's cabinets. And, I mean, this is thousands of thousands. I'm like, what, what does, like, you said all. Like, what does all mean? And she literally said, anything that you can use that's not already claimed. We would be blessed just to give it to you. You say, Mickey, why? Why share that story? Because she gave it to you. See, God's already setting up your church. Like, this is you. And setting up things for us to move forward in the future. But for us to wise up, you know what we need? We need to ask ourselves, what am I doing to commit my works to the Lord? I promise, your plans, God says if you'll commit your works to him, he will establish your plans. This is so you can understand that I promise your works is enough. Make a commitment today to be wise and to say, God, I'm going to give you my time. God, I'm going to give you my talent. And I'm going to give you my treasure. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.